and welcome to another episode of Jumpcast. It's all well, basically halfway through 2022. Welcome to the midpoint. Oh gosh, as I say, didn't think we'd make it this far. I mean, given everything that's happening in the big wide world, really didn't. But here we are, all the same. And well, I am Simon Whitlock, celebrating that fact. Uh, joining me as ever are my lovely co-hosts, Charlotte Harrison. Ahoy. Ahoy, and Alex Hilston. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. So, I mean, it's been a busy old week. Uh, we've got some big reviews coming of some big films, in fact. So, Baz Luhrmann's epic biopic of the King of Rock and Roll. Don't call him that, though. Elvis. And the Black Phone, Scott Derrickson's return to spooky low-key horror. Uh, of course, we've got all the usual bits, news and trailer talk to come as well, plus a little something towards the end that I've been putting together very in a slapdash manner, so don't get your hopes up. <laughs> but first of all, as we do every week, I'm going to check in with these guys. So, Alex, how's your week been? Um, It's been better, but uh, I've been continuing Ooh. my Pixar watch through. Okay. Um, How are you finding as it? As of Where last night. To? just watched Ratatouille, which up to now is definitely the the best one out of like everything from Toy Story to Ratatouille, hands down. The best. Nice. Um just absolutely beautiful and still get emotional at the bit. You know the bit. You know the, the bit. bit. Yeah. You know the bit. Yeah, um, everyone everyone gets to the bit, yeah. But yeah, no, uh it's just so fun because I haven't watched some of these films in Ages, and I tell you what, I'm really excited to watch Wally. I can't wait. I think it's gonna be Wally. Wally. Yeah, so that's gonna be real. Um, as for TV, not as much, but what I will recommend is um, it's on BBC iPlayer. It's called Ellie and Natasha. Um, it's a a sketch show in the same vein mm. as French and Saunders with uh, Natasha Dimitri. And um, let me get uh, Ellie's full name because I feel like it, it only it's only fair. <laughs> Ellie White, there we are. Um, it's six fifteen minute episodes, and it is amazing. I can't think of the last time I laughed at a sketch show so much. Sometimes I can I feel like they can be quite cringy. Mm. And to be fair, there is a bit of cringe in this, but very well placed cringe. Um. It's just so funny. I didn't expect it to be as funny as it was. There are some sketches that I could not see through tears of laughter. Damn. Um, wow. There's there's one not not to spoil. There's one sketch in the first episode where um <laughs> it's it's the Saturday Kitchen Studio and um one of them's just finished cooking a like a plate of food and and everyone there starts clapping and harry hill is there right just you know you know how they have the guests on the dining table mm. so harry hill's there um and they just all start clapping and they just, <laughs> they clap for about 3 minutes they like start <laughs> cheering and hollering and whooping at this plate of food and, <laughs> and just it is so, it is honestly it's absolutely brilliant I, I love it. And I hope nice. that if you watch it, you will too. Because it is really good. Wonderful. I like the idea of strategic cringe as well. Oh yeah, definitely. There's one sketch that 
goes through all like kind of all the episodes they kind of keep going back to it that is just like horrible but still incredibly funny oh gosh okay mm. well color me intrigued uh yeah check that out and it's on the iPlayer yeah on the iPlayer on the iPlayer mm. only on the iPlayer sir cool okay great Thank you, Alex. Uh, Charlotte, what about yourself? How have you been up to this week? What's caught your eye? So in terms of things I have done, I want to give a shout out to the Film Stories event last Thursday, which was Film Stories' first live event in London since COVID. And it's the first thing that hasn't been a quiz. Mm. It was a... Uh, how do you describe it? It was an event. Simon talked about some things. He had two guests. One was Jim Sturgis, the actor who I was sat next to for the entire show while he wasn't on stage. And he is as charming as you think and smells lovely. <laughs> okay. And the other was uh, Simon from Simon and Trev. And I know you're <gasps> a fan of them. Yes. Um, and Simon was there to talk about Medi Cinema, who I knew nothing about. I don't know if either of you two are. Yeah, you work in a cinema, you do hear the name knocking about. It's amazing. So he was talking about these stories of how during COVID, the Medi Cinema, which is a cinema in hospitals, I think there might be eight. That's a random number I pulled out of thin air, but about that around the UK, these were the only cinemas running during COVID because they're being in a hospital and following the full rules, they were allowed to have screenings happen. And there was one example he gave of this couple who both, due to an explosion in their house, uh, one lost an arm, one lost both arms, one lost a leg. They're in separate wards. But because of cinema, they were able, this couple, to be together watching a film of their choice. And they kept picking, like, Fast and Furious and films like that. Okay. They had a light year screening that Chris Evans came to. And it was kids who were huge fans who haven't been able to go to a cinema for however long they've been in a hospital. Or can't go to the cinema normally because of their needs. They're able to watch films together. And I think all three of us would probably say about the healing and the connection that cinema can give you. For this charity, like I think everyone has to look out for them. I'm planning all sorts to try and support them because I think what they do is miraculous. Um, in terms of things I've been watching, Loot on... Is it Apple TV? Apple TV. Which is Maya Rudolph as a billionaire who divorces her husband, Adam Scott, after he cheats on her and decides to join the charity that she founded eight years ago and obviously gets in the way. It's very, very funny. An oh, amazing nice. house to look at as well three episodes so they hook you in and they go back to the one a week format and then something old i've been watching it's a show i've never no one really talks about it i've never really heard much about it it's called the wire i don't know if familiar the, the wire the, the, is that about um I've electricians is that right never heard it of is that. yeah builders tea and yeah <laughs> so i watched episode <laughs> one yesterday and <laughs> i generally finished it i did say it loud so i was like not bad that not bad <laughs> so I feel like that's going to be my summer binge. So people might remember that last year I was doing Boardwalk Empire. I did The Sopranos quite soon after. This feels like a natural kind of thing to do next for my binge. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's good that. Pretty good. Nice. Well, thank you, Charlotte. As for me, I'll keep it brief. I have been watching The Boys. It's, oh, well, I mean, this series, I feel like, I was worryingly getting close to done with it by the end of season two. I thought, okay, it's run its course. This one has been very, very unashamed in going full message storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. And I am great. Like, yep, 
I subscribe to this newsletter and I wish to hear more about your ideas <laughs> because it's, it's really... it was when they did the Pepsi ad parody. Oh. I was oh, like, I'm in. Let alone imagine. So funny. oh god, that was That's also it. hilarious. Like, I mean, I think I feel like in previous seasons the veil was at least there, if not like in like wafer thin. Now they've just done away with all pretense and they're just like, cool, we're, we're doing this now. <laughs> and I honestly respect and love them for that. I think they are. I think it's just one of the ballsiest shows out there. In the wake of so, the most recent episode. Explosive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Explosive. Uh, and yeah, I where, when before I was... Um, Saying you know it might run its course. Now I'm starting to think it's got legs, eight of them uh, to be precise. <laughs> wrapped around. I don't know if you've rewatched. <laughs> um, um, Umbrella Academy has come back this week. It, it got has. dropped on Netflix with no fanfare on Wednesday. Yeah, I watched four episodes at the weekend when I was home, and the difference between the boys and Umbrella Academy. I compare them only because they arrived at the same time and they have superpowers. That's the only similarity I'd argue between the mm. two shows. Yeah. They're both but very whereas, in their Yeah. Own but Umbrella Academy feels really frantic and unclear. It feels like the boys is a really clear through line as yeah. well as the parody and the humour. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I, God, I honestly completely forgot that Umbrella Academy was even out. Apparently, Westworld is back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah season back. four of that. Season four, like, okay, I might. Is this just me in my little bubble? Am I completely oblivious to what's going on in the world, or has none of this had any marketing promotion over here whatsoever? And to no. top it off, only Murders in the Building came back this week. And nothing's been said about that either. I didn't yeah, even genuinely actually no idea. So, so much so that I didn't even know that it was coming out today, as of recording i thought that it was going to be mm. the usual disney plus wednesday but yeah didn't even know two episodes up there already yeah but yeah on top of that uh i started ms marvel last week got to the first two episodes uh and yeah watched the finale of obi-wan and <sighs> jesus christ the difference in quality mm-hmm. it's just night and day yeah um literally as literally, well. like, literally. <laughs> couldn't see a damn thing in one of them, and in the other one, it's just explosions you of color and personality. I saw the light quite again, quite literally and figuratively. <laughs> Hallelujah! And yeah, oh man, what a show that is shaping up to be. Uh, I've yet to watch episode three, but there'll be a fourth one to catch up with by the time this goes out. Yeah, man, I am. I'm so excited. It's nice to have something in that arena that I'm excited for. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. Because Star yeah. Wars is like dead nobles for me at the moment. <laughs> Honestly, I I don't know why I expected. And I was still disappointed. But they <laughs> But hey, Moses Ingram got paid, which is always good. Very true. Yeah. And there we go. We're leaving that discourse to a galaxy far, far away because it's time to get stuck in to the news. And we start with, well, excellent news for those of you who love remembering things, especially if you love remembering geriatric men who take themselves way too seriously, some of which may well be abusers. It's the Ghostbusters sequel. 
And then the wake of Ghostbusters Afterlife making money inexplicably. Ghostbusters Afterlife 2? Ghostbusters 4? I don't know. I frankly don't care. If you do, it's coming out next year and expect much more of the same because God help us if anyone tries anything different. Like, I don't know, include majority female cast. Just, you know, good for you. If you're looking forward to it, it will be there. But I guess, you know, is there any excitement for this, Charlotte? Are you at all? Is there anything? Any any uh, pulse? <laughs> um, sometimes you've just got to admit there's a film that isn't for you. It isn't designed for you. It's not catering for you. You are insignificant to that film. And that is fine because I have the Ghostbusters from insert the year here because I've completely blanked. 2016. 2016, Thank you. yeah. That film's always there for me. That film is for me. Even if no one else wants to remember it, and I don't say you, that's not an indirect to you two at Hollywood. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Alex? <laughs> um, unless there is a cast announcement later this year that says um, Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones, and Chris Hemsworth on it, then completely miss me with that shit. Yeah, yeah, no, completely agree. And yeah, I feel like when it when December twenty twenty three rolls round, and we've got this as the big Christmas film, I think we might take an early holiday. You know, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll just do a review of the twenty sixteen one, a review. Oh, I think that's yeah. a good idea. I think that'd be a very nice thing to do. I so, get yeah. this film is important to some people, and I don't mean to like piss on their parade. Yeah, but those people were some of those people were also awful when that twenty sixteen film came out, yeah. and it feels like that this is a victory for them at the yeah. expense of some really lovely actresses having a fun time with a fun film. Yeah, I think you were being uh, incredibly kind about that, Charlotte. To be honest. Uh. <laughs> 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 I ain't going to sugarcoat it, but we'll move on, because otherwise we'll be here all day. Yeah, I feel like we probably could be. Uh, so yeah, let, with that in mind, let us swiftly move on. So we go to, well, guys, I mean, we are going to be at least, this is going to be at least the fourth project uh, in the Sony Marvel Universe. Is that what we're calling it? Spunk. Because, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> the Morbius Cinematic Universe. Uh, because the uh, the Madam Web film is really starting to pick up people. It's gathering them. And uh, so we've got... Well, we knew Dakota Johnson was going to be on board uh, alongside with Sydney Sweeney, uh, Taha Rahim, and others. The latest addition to that ensemble is Emma Roberts. Uh, so we have no idea who they're playing. We basically know that this is essentially... Well, I mean, Madam Web in the comics is kind of well I don't know, it's hard to really describe more kind of an observer more than an Geriatric. Yeah, yeah, a very elderly kind of onlooker in that universe. So yeah, she was interesting and, you know, had had powers of course, but I don't know. Interesting to see where that goes. Uh but obviously we've got Craven the Hunter still to come and then God knows what happens with is gonna happen with those other things that they have. 
but yeah, just a reminder that they are carrying on, carrying on regardless. So with that in mind, let's move on to another story, and it's more casting news. So uh, the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, uh, is, well, it's a bit of a mouthful, but it's certainly picking up actors as well. So we've got news that Hunter Schaffer, Schaefer is joining the cast, per them off of Euphoria, and Jason Schwartzman, who's going to be playing, well, Lucretius Flickerman. And if you think that last name's familiar, you're thinking right, because that is Caesar Flickerman, Stanley Tucci's character's great relative, great great, maybe even. Uh, we're talking like Hunger Games 10 according to the story here. So, yeah. what, 60 years before? I'd say great. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we've got some got some prequelitis there. So some legates and characters that are kind of associated to people we already know. But yeah, Jason Schwartzman in the film, always good news to me. What about you guys? Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I am unironically excited for this film. I don't know anything about it. I haven't read the book. Um, but Give me more stories in the Hunger Games world. Um, totally. Well, we know Francis Lawrence is back to direct. Which is, again, always good news, I think. Yeah. Seeing as he made the best one from Catching Fire. Yeah, mm, absolutely. And say, so I am all in for that one. So, uh, But, Charlotte, what about yourself? It's funny, I'm not quite sure then if we're the target demographic with this film. Because I don't know how... I've read some of the prequel and I read the Wikipedia plot summary for the prequel book. Um, I don't know if this film is designed for watching without the Hunger Games context. And I'm finding that teenagers aren't organically drifting to the Hunger Games. For a lot of them, like I'm doing dystopic moment in my year eights and they hadn't seen it before. They were going in it com- to it completely blind and they enjoyed it. But I don't know if they'd choose to go to cinema to see this film without having prior knowledge of the Hunger Games in the universe. And Hunger Games does yeah. seem very stuck 10 years ago, doesn't it? As opposed to other... So I'm intrigued to see if they're going to just then make it a blanket, you can still access it without having seen the other films. Maybe. Yeah. It's just an odd choice. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Because, so was this Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? I am completely out of the loop. Is this the start of a new series, or is this... It's President Snow's backstory. Like origin. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was going to be one of a trilogy or something. Uh, I think it might be. Okay. Because, yeah, I just think with these things, you know, they're always looking two films ahead, aren't they? So it just seems like a decent cast to be building up. All I will... Add to that is that I have a real issue with Hollywood's treatment of villains lately. I think there's a lot we could explore in terms of how they depict villains or redeem villains. Like sometimes I just want an out and out villain I can hate. Yeah, and it like, seems like yeah. an odd choice. Hang on. It seems an odd choice to have a series of films about someone who's awful. Like if you've seen other films, you know this character is awful and is a villain. Yeah. Mm. Why don't I want to watch his backstory? What's the What's the reason? I say, yeah, I, I, on that note, I refer back to The Boys, I think. <laughs> I think it's one of the few uh, things in recent times which is actually giving us a bad guy who is a bad guy and not mm. like a, a wounded, hurt, broken little boy or girl. I blame knows. Maleficent. 
Maleficent yeah. has a lot to answer for. I think, anyway. But yeah, Homelander is yeah oh. irredeemable, and oh, I hope yeah. he remains that way. Properly. <laughs> Until his <laughs> head's cut off, then yeah. <laughs> Especially since it's upsetting all the right people. Cool. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's move on. So, well, we are officially getting movement, uh, many much kinetic and frenetic movement, uh, as is fitting for the Mad Max Fury Road prequel, Furiosa. So we have an official synopsis, and I shall read it. It is as thus. As the world fell, young Furiosa is snatched from the green place of many mothers and falls into the hands of a great biker horde led by the warlord Dementus. Sweeping through the wasteland, they come across the citadel presided over by the immortal Joe. What a two tyrants war for dominance, Furiosa must survive many trials as she puts together the means to find her way home. Now, this is, of course, the film which is going to be starring Anya Taylor-Joy as the lead, alongside Chris Hemsworth and Tom Burke, still in as yet unconfirmed positions, roles. Um, it feels like they could possibly fall into either of those there, so with Immortan Joe and Dementus. I mean, Chris Hemsworth as Immortan Joe seems fitting with that luscious blonde hair, you know? I'm saying it anyway. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, it sounds very exciting. I, I, they have started filming, from what I can tell. We are on en route for this film to come out in 2024. So, uh, some way to come. But yeah, it's it's feeling very real for something which seemed like mere speculation, even when it was like, yes, this is definitely happening. Uh, but yeah, has this revved up the excitement for you guys? Alex, what are your thoughts? Well, I could have more thoughts um, when I actually watch Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, so that was our <laughs> film club winner, and we will be discussing that at soon. some point. Yes, um, definitely. But I have just seen. I was just looking at the cast, and apparently there is a character called Rictus Erectus. Yeah, so Rictus Erectus is someone who is in Mad Max Fury Road as well. Yeah, is apparently going to be in the in the prequel, but I just uh, thought the name was fun. I'm just being a child. It's an excellent name. It's an excellent name. I feel like, you know, if I could go back to the heady days of 1991, you know, like uh, Marty McFly does to his parents and says, you know, Marty's a good name. I just suggest. <laughs> just go to George Miller. Director <laughs> to like, George. You know, I'd pretend I'm, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just... Say, hey, maybe maybe Rictus Erectus is a good name. Parents. <laughs> anyway, no. Um, <laughs> Charlotte, what are your thoughts? What are you? What are your, what's your take on what we've heard so far of the oncoming Furiosa? I hate to be the person who laments film news and goes, "Well, I wish it was this other film," because mm. the ingredients of this film sound so good. But I'm almost sad we've not got Charlize Theron. Why do a prequel? We could have had a sequel. Yeah. To have her just smashing it. Yeah, I do feel... I mean, potentially we could have that down the line. I feel like there's still room, time, and hopefully interest for that kind of thing. Possibly. It just feels like a bit of... I do enjoy Andrew Taylor-Joy, don't get me wrong. I love Tom Burke. But I just, I almost... Having a young protagonist doing shit and saving the world or whatever equivalent yeah. isn't quite the same as having that kind of beaten that yeah 
can say I I I remain hopeful, optimistic that after this will come Mad Max slash Furiosa sequel. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm, we'll see what happens. Um, cool. So last two stories. I mean, we're heading into Netflix news now, guys. Brace yourselves. Uh, so first of all, we'll start up with the bigger news. Well, depending on where you stand with this. So Netflix have confirmed. I mean, there was there was talk about it at, down the line, but basically, there was there were rumors that at some point to potentially offer cheaper plans to try and get people subscribing again after news of dramatic drops and counts and everything else, that they would be introducing plans with advertising into their setup. Um, Netflix have confirmed that it is the case. Uh, as of yet, I don't think they've actually given some kind of date or plan or anything else like that as to what would that would look like. But, I mean, this is uh, this feels like it's getting into quite a big question here. But, I mean, is this is this a potentially is this is this good news? Is this worrying news? Is this like okay, we expected this, so what news, Alex? I feel like there's no one answer for it, to be honest. I feel like it sets a, uh, a precedent going forward, but obviously they must know that they'll be able to sell adverts very easily, probably because you know how many people will lay eyes on it. Um, if it makes it more affordable for people, especially in a cost of living crisis, I suppose. Um, but I'm not going to lie. Um, I wouldn't want an advert coming on halfway through that big moment of uh, episode four of Strange Things series four. I think that'd be uh, that'd take you out of the moment, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. It's interesting. Yeah, well, I think the current price plans are staying the same without advertising. I think they're just adding a cheaper option in. I might be wrong. Um, but Charlotte, what before we uh roll on to the last story what are your what's your thoughts on this one it i don't know i feel like this is a sign that the netflix tides are turning mm. this is the sound of not the plague bell but um they've been quite transparent lately haven't they about how much they're struggling and certain shows being cancelled the shifting away from water filmmaking because of the cost i don't know it doesn't feel good. In theory, it feels like it's going to be more accessible, having the range of pricing and structure, but part of the whole thing that Netflix really used for its appeal was the no adverts. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and yeah, I think with the whole streaming platform thing, you do have to wonder like, if this gets any traction, will others try it? Will there be, you know... Like you say, the freedom from those that kind of advertising and just kind of paying a flat subscription rate and all this kind of thing would normally suggest, you know, oh great, this is going to be a game changer, but it's just TV again, essentially. But yeah, I don't know. Cool. I mean, that's a discussion that could probably be delved into much more deeply than we're going to at this <laughs> point. To my TED talk. <laughs> I was going to say, God. Um, so we'll just head off with, we'll, we'll round off the news section by saying that Robert, Robert Rodriguez uh, is going to be rebooting Spy Kids. I mean, that just felt so disgusting in my mouth saying that. I'm kind of outraged. So we have 
a new family of spies, of course, and we know that the parents in this remake are going to be Gina Rodriguez and Zachary Levi. Um, I mean, I love the first Spy Kids film very, very much. It has a very special place in my heart. Uh, the second one is just as good, I think. And then after that, you know, you can take them or leave them. But I, yeah, this is this is one where I'm thinking, hmm, not sure. Like that felt untouchable for me for so long. But maybe I'm alone on this, uh, Charlotte. I, how how do you feel about a Spy Kids remake coming to Netflix? I almost wanted like a footnote, like as I mentioned in the previous episode. Why can't we have something new? Yeah. I like Zachary Levi a lot. I stood next to him once uh, at the event for Shazam and just he's got an aura. He's a, a lovely, charismatic man. Him in uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> I'm sure he's a man who can wall off braces and rolled up sleeves very nicely. Very few men can. And um, Gina Rodriguez is, is there. Yep. So do something different. Yeah. No, I think that's more than fair. Uh, Alex, <laughs> you sound like you're ready to react. Zachary Levi. No. <laughs> um, cool. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> no. I if we get given the option to watch it in red and blue 3D, I'm happy. Yeah, and smell a vision and, and smell a vision. Yeah, you can get like a little pack sent to your house. Yeah, has to be. Yeah. I think there are websites for that. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking dark web there. That's <laughs> oh. oh dear. Okay, right. Before we get into another hold up with that one, uh, oh God, no. Um, let's move on because we should really get cracking because we've got a bumper trailer talk for you now. Yeah. And so. I mean, you know what? Let's start big. And this is the most recent one that we've had on this list. And it's quite exciting. So, the Sanderson sisters are back. They are back and they are looking like time has not even touched them from what we can gather from this trailer. Hocus Pocus 2. It is properly happening. It is coming at the end of September, beginning of October to Disney+. And... I mean, it's Hocus Pocus 2. It has, from the trailer, everything you'd want. It has all the little nods, has some of the characters, has some of the characters, well, one of the characters' graves. Not a spoiler, because you probably know who that character is. Uh, but, guys, are we excited? Alex? I'm absolutely feral for this film. Yep. <laughs> when the the little bit at the end, uh, where the guy's like, you're looking for the first stage, and... um. Oh, you get them in all their glory. The oh my gosh! Yeah, I yeah, this film is going to be my entire personality and come come September thirtieth. But they genuinely don't look like they've aged in the last thirty years. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Witchcraft, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but Charlotte, what are your thoughts on what we've seen so far of Hocus Pocus two? Mm. I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna regret here. Okay. okay. I remember fancying the cat in this film. Not <laughs> I know what you mean. Cat, um, Binks, but the yeah. character, yeah. Um, so I was very happy when he made a reappearance in the trailer. I did have that, you know, that meme of like, "Oh shit, here we go again." As I watched <laughs> it, like, "Oh no, <laughs> I'm another animal." 
Um, <laughs> That's why I said after watching The Lion King. <laughs> Robin Hood. <laughs> that should be our feature next week. <laughs> Sexy animal. Weird crushes, yeah. It's not bestiality, it's the voices. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this film. It's going to be like a pre-Halloween treat for me. I'm going to do a movie night or something with my friends. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And in terms of pre-Halloween treats on Disney+, Plus, like I wasn't, disapp- I wasn't disappointed by Muppets Haunted Mansion, but I sure hope this is better than. If that makes sense. Anyway, so we'll move on to... We're staying in something spooky. Although, not as spooky as some people are letting on, let's be honest. It's the trailer for Smile. Now, the idea being that, okay, stop me if you've heard this one before. A woman bears witness to a cursed thing that, after you've seen it, seven days later, you die. I know, right? What a concept. Uh, This time, it's not a videotape because, you know, God forbid... Um, but it is someone doing a creepy smile. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Whether this is some kind of spectral thing or whether it's psychological or whether it's an actual monster thing, who knows? Trailer looks, I mean, it looks fine. It's got that kind of mood lighting that every horror film has now. It's that kind of like washed out, almost gray stuff. Um, but Charlotte, I'm gonna look to you for further insight here. What are your feelings on this from what you've seen? I wanna quickly check one thing on IMDb and I will carry on speaking while I'm doing that. Okay. Just having a look on IMDb. I was gonna say if you want uh, I can come back to you. No, I'm just there's no runtime yet on IMDb. So I reserve judgment. I think this film, based on the trailer, if it's ninety minutes or less, I'm in. If it's longer, I'm out. Cool. Yep. So I don't think this concept has enough in it. No. No, I think it's it's one of those ones that's good enough to sell a sell a trailer. It's like the smiley killer guy thing. Did you ever watch that? The one with the mask that like the emoji face. I think so. So, so dumb rubbish, but yeah, enough to like you know do the rounds on Facebook or whatever was popular at the time. <laughs> ah, sounds so old. Cool. Uh, but Alex, did this leave more of an impact on you? No. Smile. No, cool. Right, okay, so we'll move on to Barbarian to keep it in the horror run. And again, another spooky one. This time, it's the horrors of an Airbnb. Um, I mean, I've, actually, I've had a quite a good run of them so far, so I can't really comment. Uh, but um, have either of you guys, you know, can you relate? Do you feel like this is going somewhere? Do you even think that the trailer is that good? Alex? Yes, uh, <clears throat> this definitely left more of an impact on me than Smile. I got properly creeped out by it. The atmosphere Ooh. was very um very spooky. Very spooky indeed. I uh, I mean, any idea of you know, walking down into the basement of a house and there being an extra bit where you can go down and it's all claustrophobic and dark and Yeah. Yeah, no. That's horrible, actually. Um so yeah, I think this is going to be one that could maybe terrify the socks off us if it if it does it right. Yeah, well, fingers crossed, certainly. Uh, Charlotte, do you share that sentiment? Yeah, I agree. It gave me vibes of the Jesse Eisenberg starring film. I'm going to butcher the name. Is it Viverium? 
I know exactly what film you mean. I was gonna, I was thinking about that as well when I was watching it. Yeah, the sense of being in an unknown place and then being trapped there and time passing but not passing and yeah, that really made me uneasy. Like Alex said, where a smile, I was like, oh look, there's jump scares. But this was like, this is a deep rooted creepiness to it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And anything that invokes that film, I mean, God, that has stayed with me for. What is it? How long has it been? Three years now? Yeah, I want to say three years. Blimey. But yeah, that, what a film that is. If you want to check that out. Yeah, Vivarium, Vivarium. I don't know how you're calling it that. I think it's on film four soon. I saw a trailer recently. Nice. So yeah, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots, I think, is yeah, yeah heading up that. Um, but yeah, highly recommend that. What a what a call that is. Nice one, Charlotte. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. Honestly, Barbarian does look quite good. Uh, cool. I'm going to quickly pass over this one, but I just want to mention it because we are now at a point where we know there is only a finite number of Bruce Willis films to come. Uh, so Wrong Place, uh, so this is a trailer which, um, again, stop me if you've heard this one, is about a guy who's in the wrong place at the wrong time and just so happens to work in some kind of security slash law enforcement role. Um, but yeah, I feel like you know we've we we have brought up Bruce Willis films in the past. Obviously, now with the added context of um, where he is at in in his life and his career, and I just wanted to take a second to say I hope you're doing okay, Bruce. If you're listening, which you're almost certainly not, but uh, but yeah, I think you know so many people were more than willing to dunk on these films and these trailers, uh, but I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to make it clear that he has a new film coming out. And, you know, how many more times could you get to say that? Okay, so uh, we'll move on to something which I'm all too happy to really tear into. Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Uh, it's a mouthful. It seems fitting for a crocodile film. Um, with already some of the most indelible images, um, as some people put on YouTube on the comments. Can't wait for him to say it's Lylin time. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> this is allegedly based on a series of children's books uh, involving music churned out by the people who brought us The Greatest Showman and I'm guessing by that extension Dear Evan Hansen uh, so Pazic and Paul and yeah it involves a CGI crocodile with the voice of Shawn Mendes uh, singing for all his heart bless him and Again, his name has escaped me. We talked about this pre-recording. <laughs> Penelope Cruz's husband. Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. Thank you so much. He is like he's such a he's one of those actors that's just like he's so like physically memorable. But his name's just yeah, gone. But yes, um yeah, playing well. Did you know um the Sack Lunch Bunch, the Netflix special thing? No. The John Mulaney thing, where it was like a kid's after school. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if you ever saw it, but there's a section where Jake Gyllenhaal comes on as Mr. Music. And he's, like, dressed up yes. as, like, this, like... Yeah. So, it's, like, this wacky Saturday morning thing with, like, a military setup, but also looks a bit bedraggled. Um, it turns out he's going through a really hard time. It, it kind of made me think of that when watching this. Um, but, yeah. It's just a whole lot going on. But... Do you guys are you excited for Lyle Lyle Crocodile? Have you marked it in your calendars? Are you are you are you, are you pumped? Um, Charlotte, what are your thoughts? 
I am not a partaker of the drugs. But if I were a partaker of the drugs, I feel like this is what I'd imagine the world to look like. <laughs> Watching this trailer, I was like, oh, this is trippy. Um, <laughs> so they say by the songwriters behind The Greatest Showman, right? Yeah. They also wrote La La Land. They did also write and, La La Land. And City of Stars. Um, Another Day of Sun. Uh, Someone in the Crowd. Bangers. Yeah. Okay, There's I, a reason I, they've not referred to that in this trailer, though, isn't it? Because it's not the target audience. Yeah. I was going to say, they are capable of writing a good song. Uh, although I have seen Dear Evan Hansen on stage. And if I was going only by that, I wouldn't be able to uh, support that claim. <laughs> but then The Greatest Showman has... Just every song is a banger on that soundtrack. Yeah, it's the best thing about that film, definitely. Yeah, it's a jukebox of some good songs and some bits in between. Yeah, um, some stuff happens in between the songs. This film, like, have they got dirt on Javier Bardem? Or <laughs> I don't know. And it, uh, maybe this is because I'm now old, because I've just looked and Shawn Mendes is 23. Um, <sighs> why are they shifting him into movies? I, I've not. I don't feel like the man is a charisma magnet from what I've seen. Again, I'm not the target market here, so maybe I'm missing the point. I, I You know what? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I'm happy to be wrong if this film is amazing. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be. It could be a masterpiece, although we only know that it's coming in a wild crocodile from the trailer. <laughs> you say but, that, you loved that. <laughs> I mean, I did like that. That was the best thing. I was very excited for that, and it did make me giggle. Um... Alex, did more stick with you than just that fun little... Oh, hell yeah. This is my film and I know it. This is the Clifford, isn't it? This is the Clifford. (laughs) I was literally about to say, Sony will have seen Paramount's success with Clifford. (laughs) (laughs) Weird, full-sized, uncanny valley CGI animal in New York with a kind of a strange older man John, you know, Javier <laughs> um, rather than John Cleese, and have gone. Yeah, we're doing it. Uh, for this trailer, I thought oh, this crocodile's a bit fruity, and then it came up. Sean Mendez is Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> this crocodile's a bit fruity. That's got to go in the end of year review. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, uh, this is my completely my bag. It's going to be awful, but it, it's just going to be a. A real hoot for the senses. Let's say I, I'm excited now for you. Thank I'm happy you. that you're happy. Yeah, I mean, um, you know how excited I was for Clifford last year. You were so I made excited. It very known, and I actually quite enjoyed Clifford for what it was. Um, so yeah, very excited for Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile, Wonderful. and just think like you know, it's not sh- a snappy I, title though. I know it? they're not together anymore. Uh... Are they together? <laughs> No, I thought they broke up, and I thought there was no. I mean, if they broke, but that I mean, their 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 joint filmography now: Cinderella, Amazon Prime, Wild Wild Crocodile. My God! If I was trapped like in Guantanamo Bay or somewhere awful, that double bill would be the one that makes me confess every sin possible. (laughs) Just a Clockwork Orange style, my eyes held open. I remember not hating the Cinderella film. Oh yeah, you 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 were kind of okay on it. Yeah, me and Charlotte. Were just it was like, the soundtrack, wasn't it? That did oh. it for you? It was. The, I'm still singing. Let's get loud in my mouth onesie <laughs> and thrusting into the air. <laughs> still see James Corden's head on the body of a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I can still see James Corden's head. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> he said he's not any complaints. So. <laughs> oh god, okay. Right. Let's let's move on, please. Oh god. Okay, I just realized what we're talking about next. So <laughs> hey guys. We're only halfway through. We're only halfway through. No, no, no. We've got four films left. We've got four trailers left. We've picked. Oh man, what a crocker this this is! So, guys, you remember? Do you remember Wonder, the film about the little boy? Film of the concept. What a concept! (laughs) The wonder of you. No, that's later. That's later. Um, so I, I actually didn't. I've never seen Wonder. I know all about it though because I watched it during lockdown. Um, did it teach you to be kind? Yeah, I suppose so. Although I think I'm generally kind, so I don't think that the film's message was particularly for... A, a Just reinforced person. it. Yeah, yeah. it was like, you know what? Be kind, and that's fine. Hashtag um, be kind. However, and this... also live, laugh, and love. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it, Wonder It really is genuinely quite a good film, and it's got such a wonderful cast as well. And yeah, um, When I found out about this, I was just a bit baffled, honestly. <laughs> I was going to say, so Alex, when you watched Wonder during lockdown, were you thinking, man, I really want to know what happens to the bully? Absolutely. I was well, like, that character, keep an eye on him. I'm going to be keeping okay. a close eye on his career. Well, good, because I've got another question for you. Mm. Did you really want to know what happened to the bully's grandmother in World War II era France? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, then do I have the <laughs> film for you? <laughs> White Bird, A Wonder Story, has one of the most incredible side swipes I think I've found in a trailer in a long old time. Um, because, yeah, it starts off being this whole kind of... So the grandmother, played by Helen Mirren, says to the bully child, um, well, you were, you were kicked out of your school for being mean and not being kind, hashtag being kind. And then uh, she <laughs> says, and here's a... Stories that teach you a lesson, and it just so happens to be about the Nazi persecution of Jewish people in France. Yeah, weren't expecting that from White Bird colon a wonder story, but here we are. Uh, Charlotte, did you see any of this on the horizon? I remember the book coming out, um, and it had just managed to miss the wonder fanfare, because it was a real storm in the YA the book and then the film. And then it sort of disappeared because other books have come out since that maybe handle some aspects slightly better, more informed when it comes to disability and bullying, that kind of thing. But yeah. this trailer fundamentally goes, you, my shithead of a grandson, you're a bully. Now let's take the real bullies, Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I repeat my earlier statement about the Hunger Games prequel. I don't know who this film is for. I don't watch this trailer. I didn't think, oh yeah, I can imagine a whole bunch of ten year olds queuing up to see this film. Do you remember Amarasande had that war film a couple of years ago? Um, oh god, yeah. With George McKay and oh, I've forgotten the actress in it. And it feels like the kind of kids, youth approach to looking at the Holocaust. No, there are films that have done this already and done it better and more sensitively. I, I, um, 
yeah. I'm being told it's called Where Hands Touch. Is that right? Yeah, that's the one. Which Amanda um, Stenberg and George McKay. That's, that's it. it. If you, uh, I'm going to send you a clip from it. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to talk about it on air because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Wow. Okay. What a, what a concept. Um, and yeah, Alex, we already know you're excited because you just said that it's exactly what you're after. So we'll move straight on to The Invitation. Uh, now, this is a film that is all too willing, just like the previous trailer, to go, this is exactly what this film is about. In a very different way, I'd say, in a different reception. So The Invitation, it is the story of Natalie Emmanuel's character finding out that she is. Uh, well, to be invited, as they're losing the name, to a big uh, gathering. Um, how not to spoil this? Because I don't think we should give away the thing, unless people see the trailer, in which case they'll know it immediately. Um, but yeah, turns out that where she's going has, well, as they say in the synopsis for the trailer, a gothic conspiracy is at play. And uh, cue lots of letting of blood, lots of creepy overbearing people with very pale skin um and so on uh but yeah um what do we think good bad we'll, we'll go for a quick one on this one because time is getting away from us uh alex yes i think um this will be a good addition to the white people the movie canon um yeah and uh, but what i have to say two sorry two things very quickly Great to see Natalie Emmanuel heading up a film. Yep. Really good. Second of all, I feel like this um looks like Ready or Not, but with all the camp taken out of it, which seems a bit like it could be a bit disappointing. Oh, yeah. Especially I because think Ready, Ready or, or, not... or Not does this concept so well, like impeccably well. Oh, Ready or Not is a great film. I think it's like one of those, like, one of those films that threatened to slip under the radar but i think just enough people saw it to get the word of mouth out there when yeah. it came out it's just yeah such good fun um cool uh charlotte what about yourself yeah I, it's not a new concept but i feel like i'm gonna be really entertained by this film yeah let's say i think time will tell and i hope it's good and yeah there's more than enough in that trailer to go oh it's this so yeah if you're going into if you want to watch the film completely blind don't watch the trailer. Otherwise, yeah, you know what you're getting, and hopefully they pull it off. Okay, so uh, the penultimate film we're going to be talking about on this one is 13 Lives. So this goes back to the Thai cave rescue, um, where they actually released a documentary called The Rescue, which is superb. Uh, but this is a drama, dramatization of it with a massive, massively... Um, memorable cast and instantly recognizable cast um and directed by ron howard again i'll go by quickly because time but um from what we've seen so far is this a dramatization we needed uh charlotte um i didn't think i was when i first it started i was like nah no need but the cast and the hands this is in ron howard's hands and what colin farrell Viggo Mortensen, and Joel Edgerton. Um, I felt quite moved even just watching the trailer. My crip tonight is people being nice, working together and being a community, and that hit me in the feels watching that trailer. Yeah. 
I say, yeah, I feel like this comes up a few times is that that's the good that's the good stuff for you, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. no, I feel like this could deliver, certainly. Um nice. And Alex, your take on 13 lives. <clears throat> um, although I agree with Charlotte in the um the standard of of uh, people that they've brought in for this film, you know, Ron Howard and uh, Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen and Joel Edgerton as well. Uh I do think that that is something that will make it a draw. But this story hmm. has already been told recently in documentary form yeah. by the makers of Free Solo. It's called The Rescue. Yeah. Um, oh. And it is utterly, a phen- absolutely phenomenal piece of filmmaking. Um, it really is. And yeah, I just feel like it, it's another one of those when it comes to real life stories where documentaries have probably already been made about them where it tells the story impeccably well without needing to you know dramatize it in that kind of way um yeah. but yeah i don't know i'll still watch it of course because i feel like it could be very interesting but definitely it's on disney plus if you haven't seen it it is really truly brilliant stuff especially if you enjoyed free solo as well yeah definitely and i'll second that recommendation yeah it is a banger Alrighty, and last but not least, so to round off this trailer talk, we have the first trailer for a film which was announced to an interesting reception. They slash them, a title which is uh, at first provocative and also, when you think about it, kind of potentially clever, depending on how the film goes. So this is a slasher film, hence the they slash them. Um... The idea is that uh, a bunch of uh, kids who are LGBTQ plus go to uh, are sent to a conversion camp, which is run by Kevin Bacon's character. Um, naturally, you know, not where anybody wants to be. I mean, watch Miseducation of Cameron Post for that more for more incisive intake uh, insight on that one. I'd say, uh, but what that film doesn't have, which this film almost certainly will have is a whole bunch of killings. Um, Some will tell, I'm sure, how well this goes down, as some people on YouTube described it as. It looks set to be one of the the the, the most films of 2022. <sighs> I mean, yeah, I, I can't get past that. It just seems very like trying to provide... I don't know. I don't know. Help me out here, guys. Um, Alex. This film is either going to be really, really well done um, and genuinely really good, or it's going to be a hate crime. No in-between. Yeah, that's my worry. I'm worried about hate crime, but apparently they are describing it as an empowering slasher film, so... Well, I mean... <laughs> it's, again, doesn't really do much to help their cause. Empowering and slasher film don't really go in the same sentence, considering the fact that ma- the majority of cast members in a slasher film end up dying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and also are punished for their sexuality. Yes, very much so. Yeah, I say it's always the um, perceived promiscuous ones who are murdered mm. first. A little bit, yeah, a little bit sexist. So it is. As has been the case. Very Puritan, certainly. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting how all that is handled in in the mm. context that it's handled. But I mean, I've got to hand it to the the balls for bit calling calling the film what they've called it is you know mo- monumentous. Yeah, absolutely, and I hope that on I hope that on re- in retrospect we look at that title and go that was very good, um, but I'm sure 
we will have to wait and see. But Charlotte, I give you the last word on Trailer Talk and on They Slash Them. What do you think of what we've seen so far? The trailer is giving me nothing, but the premise is intriguing me. Perfect. And yeah, couldn't, well, couldn't have put it better ourselves. And there we go. Thus endeth Trailer Talk. And before we get started on the reviews, we have a customary thanks to give. Now, who is ready for that this week? I can take it away. I've got him right here. Wonderful. Alex, in that case, the floor is yours. Okie dokie. Uh, so every week, we like to take a moment to uh, thank the people who support Jump Cut Online. Um, I don't know if you uh, guys have seen, probably have seen, that our mascot and all-round great person, um, Brian Gosling has been pictured wearing a a shirt t-shirt with Shooter Gatwa's uh, doctor like a bit of fan art of his doctor doctor who um on him and i almost wish that we could find a way to to photoshop that picture so that on the t-shirt is just all of these people's names yeah and you are chris wilson enon films robert denny Daryl griffiths sam luck all smith peter hodgkins Andy Meekin, Fabiana Rosas, Hamish Calvert, Manuel Bento, and Joe Gray. We are eternally grateful. We are eternally grateful. And if there is a way that, yeah, if we get like those names on Shooty Gatwa's outfit and then that outfit on a t shirt of <laughs> on Ryan Gosling, and then a t shirt that you can get with Ryan Gosling wearing that t shirt with Shooty Gatwa. Anyway, I feel like, like, um, is it book smart with the shirt with the shirt? <laughs> yeah. Oh my should, god. That'd Absolutely. be great. Oh man. But yes, thank you, Alex, and thank you to those patrons. We are, as Alex said, eternally grateful. Right, so now we got to the big bit. The the really big bit. It's reviews and I actually have some correspondence, guys. Ooh. So we're gonna start Ooh. with Elvis and I'm gonna preface this by saying if you want to get involved in sharing your views on the films we talk about every week then we put a call out every week on our jumpcast twitter account um you go to twitter.com to do that and then you follow at jumpcast underscore on our twitter.coms and then every monday we'll pop up and go hey have you seen these films tell us what you thought and this time around we got some and well First of all, we have some, well, we have some differings of opinion, guys. Difference of opinion from, first of all, Mary Munoz at Miss Mamie Pease, who says, "Sorry, Top Gun, Elvis was the real maverick." Which I feel like is putting a very positive spin on this. In contrast, we have Sam Comrie of this parish, who says, "Austin Butler is a powerhouse in Elvis, but the film itself returned to sender. Watch Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story instead." Now, I'm intrigued to know where you guys stand on this, whether you're more with Mary or with Sam. But before we get into the reviews proper, we should probably tell you a little bit about Elvis. So this is the Baz Luhrmann film, which has been much lauded um, over, well, the last week or so since it came out uh, and much anticipated since it started filming just as the COVID pandemic hit. Obviously, it's that film that Tom Cruise got COVID um, for when he was preparing for. We are talking about the life and career of Elvis Presley, told through the lens of Colonel Tom Parker, who, as the film makes it very clear from, well, throughout, basically, was never a Colonel, nor a Tom, nor even a Parker. 
we see Elvis through the ages, from childhood all the way up to his Vegas years and to his tragic, untimely death at the age of 42 in the 1970s. And we're going to hear what we thought about this after we've obviously read those bits of correspondence out now. So, we're going to start with, I'm going to start with Charlotte. Were you... Thank you very much. <laughs> very good. So take it um, away. Yeah, I'll agree with Sam on this one. Austin Butler's performance is insane. It's incredible. Elvis is probably the most impersonated person in human history at this point, I think. And it is prone to parody. But here, Austin Butler, who I knew very little about, aside from I remember Zoe 101 and maybe some other kids' shows, is a revelation here. He captures Elvis. I had my doubts. I thought his take on Elvis was going to be weedy, blah, blah, blah. And then I realised I didn't know that part of Elvis's life. That was new to me. That was a discovery. And he manages to capture every stage of Elvis's life so beautifully. I'm not sure how much of the songs he sings, but it's all such of high quality that full credit has to go to him for what he achieves in this film with his performance. But like Sam says, the film, I feel like, doesn't deserve that performance. It's two hours and a half. And its focus, weirdly, it's in and it's out to the story is through Tom Hanks's character, who is so distracting and a disgusting caricature. It feels like a waste. It feels like a distraction from this incredible performance. It's an incredible story. The biggest tragedy about Elvis is how he wasn't able to have his voice. He wasn't able to express himself. He was trapped by so many people, by Colonel Tom. But it also feels like this film repeats that to some extent because the script is so poor. It feels so obsessed with the myth and the allure of Elvis as opposed to getting to the real grips of his character. While the film, I give it bonus points for including Bebama Thornton, whose version of Hound Dog is my favourite. It has B.B. King. Uh, I think it was Fats Domino makes an appearance. It's a film that acknowledges Elvis' roots, but again, I don't feel like it explores that enough. There's a weird dynamic with his mum. Um, Priscilla is regaled to the role... Regaled? Resigned? Relegated to the role of wife who's at home while the husband gets around and has fun. It doesn't explore the age gap between them, which was she was 14 when he was 24 when they met. Weirdly, side note, I just found out yesterday, I thought Austin Butler was still with Vanessa Hudgens. They're not. He's with Cindy Crawford's daughter, who is 20 to Austin Butler's 30, which is the same age gap between Elvis and Priscilla. That's not massively relevant, I just thought it was interesting. Um, the film is really glitzy, but it's... I really like candy floss, right? I think candy floss is such a great idea as a sweet, as a food. It looks colourful, it's tasty, it's sugary. But after a while, it gets too much. And when you finish it, you're still kind of empty. And I feel that's what this film is. However, if there is any justice in the world, Austin Butler's got to get some noms next award season. So I'd say it's a film for the fans. And when it comes to fans, my mum loved it. She was a huge Elvis fan growing up and loved the film. There were two kids sat in front of me who couldn't be more than eight years old apiece. And I thought, why are they here? But they were fixated. They were hypnotised by the film in a way that I just wasn't. So maybe this is a film for loads of people. But Austin Butler's performance is the the cream of it. All right. Okay. Well, thank you, Charlotte. Um, I'll say I will share my thoughts shortly, but 
Alex. Yes. Do you do? You, are you in accordance? Are you harmonizing with what Charlotte's laying down? I think I agree and disagree with Charlotte. I agree with Charlotte on most things there. Um, yeah, that Austin Butler is gonna be a star. <laughs> 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 no, because it, I, I this film completely revolves around Austin Butler and his performance and how like transformative it truly is. Um, you know, I'm not like massive on Elvis. I um, very much understand the cultural impact he had on Lilo and Stitch. That's about <laughs> as far as my Elvis, um, <laughs> my Elvis fan uh, life kind of goes, really. Um, so I was never really fully kind of into this uh, idea for the for, for a movie. Um, anyway, uh, but I do appreciate Baz Luhrmann and his filmmaking and, um. But yeah, two hours and forty minutes—absolutely way too long. You know, you know, we talk about this all the time on on Jumpcast. Give me a short film, but it, um, but I do understand that when you're making a film about somebody like Elvis, that it's hard not to make it so long because so obviously so much to get through. Um, it just kind of felt like so much was happening. Um, but it just like still felt it felt like it was going at a thousand miles a minute, but also felt really slow at the same time. I can't like explain how that why that is really, but like that's what it felt to me. Um, I do think it's very strange that it's told from Tom Hanks' character's perspective. Uh. Again, like Charlotte said, it just feels like it completely takes away from from what the main story should be. And I kind of get the whole, you know, how, how involved they were, uh, you know, what their relationship was like and how deep that goes. But I just kind of never felt like it transcended that when, again, you're talking about someone like Elvis. Um, I think the real magic of this film for me is really is Austin Butler and how he just kind of fade like kind of sinks into the the role and there were points where I genuinely thought like is this stock footage or is this him and then I know there's the the, the bit at the end where it kind of mixes the two um and it just it, you could do a side by side and it'd look absolutely the same and it, again that's probably you know to do with hair and makeup and the, and that kind of team that that's really good uh and then, yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of stuff about Elvis's life that <clears throat> this film really glosses over and doesn't really stop to criticise. Um, even though it is stuff that should be criticised. Um, like Charlotte was saying, the, the age gap between him and his wife, um, the fact that all of his music was kind of taken from from black artists that kind of stuff it, it just feel like it just feels like it was kind of glossed over in my opinion and in a film that's 2 hours and 40 minutes long explore it a bit more you know seems yeah just seems like a missed opportunity there and and that's it really i just don't think it's a great film i think i feel like it really lines up with bohemian rhapsody and the fact that it's just a bit of a not great film with an incredible 
central performance. Rocket Man remains the biopic for me. Damn and straight. Nothing has uh, beat it since, and I don't think anything will uh, for some time. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so <laughs> I was intrigued to see where you went, where you went with this, Alex, because, um, and and yeah, I think it's interesting that you both kind of had a similar response to it, because I ended up actually quite loving it. <laughs> I was um, so. I make no bones about the fact that with um, Bohemian Rhapsody in particular, I just did not like that one bit. I think in terms of the musical biopic thing, I did, I did, I agree that Rocket Man is a very high watermark. I think that that is the way to do it in a way which is, you know, telling an interesting story with a good performance and great music, and making sure that the three all line up. Um, I think Bohemian Rhapsody had. The good music. There we go. Um, so, and yeah, still ran away with Oscar nominations and acting awards. So, you know, more for me, clearly. Uh, but when it comes to Elvis, I think, like Charlotte was saying, he has been so impersonated and uh, caricatured over the over the years. Like, to now, he is just, like, even the film says it, like, he is still playing an active role in popular culture and iconography like he is instantly recognizable as a figure again whether that's as a cartoon or a person or an artist or what have you um and part of that i think baz luhrmann is a really interesting filmmaker to take this on and i feel like he's more i feel like he's pretty much the only person who could have done he's a filmmaker who only works in Basically, putting all the all, all all the levers, all the all the bits to maximum, basically, uh, all the sliders. That's the word I was trying to think of. Um, and yeah, basically, he he does not do things by halves. And I feel like when talking about someone who is already larger than life, was larger than life at the point, um, was nothing short of a sensation from the moment he appeared. I think that, yeah, in terms of style, in terms of content, no one else could have done this. And I think coming out of it being completely satisfied on that front, I feel like there's nothing short of, you know, mission accomplished there. I think, like you guys have said, there are some murkier points in terms of the politics of his life, certainly around Priscilla. And I think more debatably around the use of the music and where he got that from. I do think that, you know, the friendships and the relationships he had with um, people of colour, definitely people around Memphis and in Beale Street specifically, were genuine and sincere. Um, I would say, you know, probably a more forgiving take is that he wanted to play those songs and, uh, you know, lift up those artists as well. But because of the situation he was in, he was left to be kind of the acceptable white face of that music for so long um, and, you know, ended up becoming an icon from it. Um, I think Austin Butler, I mean, you know, it goes without saying he is far and away the best thing in this film and in many other films, to be honest, uh, about Elvis and otherwise. Uh, he's just phenomenal in this and there is that uh, there is a there is a clip which was taken from a screen test 
in 2019 of him singing That's Alright Mama with a little skiffle band thing. And from the off, you could tell, okay, yeah, it couldn't have been anybody else. It is just really wonderful to watch. And watching him do it and do it in such a way which is not just not a silly, like, oh, thank you very much thing is great. And then on top of that, like providing something which is interesting and like almost humanize well, it is humanizing, much more so than they do with Tom Parker, uh, which yeah, does kind of veer into the caricature side and kind of the cartoon villain. But again, I feel like that's more Lerman going over the top, isn't it? More than anything. Um I think they were sport for choice in terms of what music they chose, and I think the music they did choose was very clever and very savvy to what kind of pushed the story. It is a film that is not nuanced whatsoever. Again, that ties well into Lerman's um, way of making films. There is a point where at the start of the Vegas residency, um, he is singing Suspicious Minds and is literally singing that he's being caught in a trap while he is being caught in a trap um, <laughs> by Tom Parker and the ownership of the International Hotel. Uh, and yeah, it sings it over and over again in the breakdown of the song while deals are being struck to trap him there for well, what would end up being sadly the rest of his life. Um, for me, though, I didn't feel the length was an issue. I felt like it really did breeze by for me. Uh, I went with my girlfriend, Sophie, who is actually, uh, a, well, a devotee, a disciple of yours now, Charlotte, by the Give Me 90 Minutes. Um, and yeah, so she really sticks by that. And But she came out of it going, I feel like maybe I was wrong with this one. She said that maybe I maybe this one was okay for the for the length, but she I did turn around to her and say it's going to be two and a half hours, and she went, "What? What happened to the ninety minutes? Like uh, you know that kind of thing." Um, and yeah, so I do think that you know I I completely understand that it won't be for everyone, and I think that yeah, there are bits that need do need discussing. I think certainly, and I just don't know if Elvis the Baz Luhrmann film was ever going to be that that film to have those conversations i think that's where the problem lies for me i i used to think about baz Luhrmann being the only director or the right fit for this and i think that was my biggest problem this feels like a baz Luhrmann film as opposed to an elvis presley film that's a good point i was actually going to ask you and alex this question if you felt it worked better as a baz Luhrmann film or an elvis film but he that's... inserts himself so much into it with his style and it's distracting that I think there are other directors who could have balanced that, who could have shown the glamour, the glitz, the... Everything was over the top with Elvis, like that home, the lifestyle. But the that did then, how that's depicted in this film detracts from the fact that Elvis was the first global celebrity of that level. Oh, yeah. It would have been terrifying. Like, you think of the damage that does to your subconsciousness. At least the Beatles had three other band members. Elvis was alone. He was a kid when it first started, this mania. And I I feel like there's a film to be had there that this film isn't. And again, not to lament, oh, it should be another kind of film. But it just made me a little bit sad. There are things there that could have been explored that weren't. I think um, I saw somebody say something along the lines of this film looks like it was directed and edited by a line of cocaine. And that really tracks <laughs> with Baz Luhrmann, I think. Um, and but yeah, I I think I completely agree with Charlotte on the fact that there's just some missed opportunities. Um, that again, a Baz Luhrmann film doesn't open the doors 
for those like kind of aspects of the story to be told. Yeah, and not to do like uh, this film versus this film, but Rocket Man manages to balance that so well. The dark side, the seedy side, along with the glamour and the looking into the psyche, the narrative approach of going through group therapy as a way to access a story does make sense in a way that a dying old man talking to the camera with a metaphor about gambling doesn't. Yeah, that that's fair enough, I would say. I think I was like the my biggest issue was with the depiction of Colonel Tom Parker. I do think that, you know, history has made very clear and, and you know, the legal documents around that have made it very clear as to, you know, what kind of person he was and how he treated Elvis. Um mm. and it just felt like they were trying to start with maybe going, you don't maybe have the right idea about it, and then going Actually, no, you are absolutely... All your preconceptions about Colonel Tom Parker are spot on. It's just this weird, like... This weird dissonance between him telling the story and then, like, the film still going, yeah, but he was an absolute wrong one. But there's a difference between his behaviour being grotesque and the performance being grotesque. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Hanks' performance is so distracting, you almost... It doesn't land as well the nasty, malicious, evil, controlling nature of his character because you're listening to that butchering of an accent and you're distracted by the fat suit as well. I was going to mention the fat suit. I think we've said in, on this podcast multiple times in the past, in fact, as soon as, 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 as recently as the Matilda Trader discussion last week mm, yeah, about the necessity of having these things still. And yeah, I... <sighs> It I, didn't need to be Tom Hanks for this no, role. It really Absolutely didn't. not. Absolutely no. not. Let's see. I think it, it's so funny, isn't it? Because Baz Luhrmann did an interview where someone asked because Harry Styles was in contention to play Elvis, right? He was, yeah. Mm. And in an interview, Baz Luhrmann was asked, you know, why, why did you pick Austin Butler and not Harry Styles? And he said, Harry Styles is Harry Styles. Like he's already. A, a big time name where people won't be able to separate him from from him to you know whereas Austin Butler people know who he is but he's not exactly like the the same kind of household name as Harry Styles and that's yeah. how that I thought that that's like incredibly clever but it seems like the decision he made with Tom Hanks is like the complete antithesis of that statement I say I think the the Tom Hanks casting and performance is my biggest issue with the film, and I think it's the yeah I, I you know it's it's the one bit that I kind of have to look past when I say I love it. It's and it's I mean there are some really interesting ideas in there, and certainly in kind of how the character is written, like this whole um like you know he he was abusive, and you can see just how manipulative he was, and like you know phrases and lines are um returned and, and, and they come back round from that character from what he's kind of eavesdropped on and, and and overlooked and spied on and that kind of thing in ways which are so like again like malicious but also quite like conniving and clever and like all this Machiavellian type thing but yeah and th- but then you also have the almost kind of pantomime performance and it's just yeah it's hard to kind of get those two to to kind of reconcile those two together. Mm. But yeah, I think, but yeah, 
I, I I do still love it. I think in spite of that flaw, I think in spite of that performance, you know, and and I do think it's a I do think it's a film I did love and did find myself kind of getting swept up in and for the duration of its runtime, which is really saying something. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry that it didn't entirely work for you guys. Um, but we'll see what happens with this next film, The Black Phone. Now this is uh, Scott Derrickson joint. Uh, based on a short story by Joe Hill, um, who has had a few adaptations in the past, long and short form of his work on big and small screen. This is the story of Finney, who is a high school boy who has seen other friends in, of his, his friend of his friends of his in his community be taken by a figure known as the Grabber, or, or known in the media and among the children as the Grabber in his community. One day, the grabber gets him, grabs him, if you will. And we should say the grabber is played by Ethan Hawke. Um, and there, from there, basically, there comes uh, a little bit of a, a bit of a chamber piece. And, you know, it's a case of what can Finney do to survive? Can people outside of his surroundings help him? And can people outside of his plane of existence help him, potentially with the use of the titular black phone. So, I got to see this a little bit ahead of time, um, so I've had a little bit of time to think about it. So, I'm going to start with you first of all, Alex, as someone who's hopefully fresher faced and fresher minded on this. Yeah. To to give your thoughts. I watched this at the weekend. Um, oh, didn't really know much more than the trailer, although I had seen the trailer quite a few times. <clears throat> um, I I love Scott Derrickson. I think. He's, you know, he's made some pretty decent horror films. Um, so I had, you know, I had hope. I wouldn't say high hopes, but I had hopes for this film. Um, I actually, I th- think I quite enjoyed it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's the most amazing horror film I've ever seen. Um, but I, yeah. It was the performances are great. I thought the uh, the two main children uh, were really really good, worked really really well. Um, because I feel like a film like this where you really do have them at, at like a, a child at the forefront, their performance is like the be all and end all of the film. And if it's not up to scratch, then it can just end up being a bit cringy and um, not 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 to a good standard. But they they really do work it out. Um, really, really quite well. Ethan Hawke is absolutely t- terrifying. I think in this film, uh, really, really good. Having a a good time playing some proper villainous people lately. Um, and yeah, every time he kind of came on screen, which you know wasn't often, really that often at least. Um, I I was like, okay, I'm scared now. What's he gonna do? I'm like anticipating his next move because it never really the film is always very very kind of we're, we're really going to keep you on on your toes because we 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 really are put into their like the same position as um as Finney um you're also kind of trying to work out at the same time what's happened like what what he can do and all of this kind of stuff um I will I will admit it did take up I think a little bit longer than i expected to actually get into the basement um and for things like like things in that aspect to kind of properly get going but 
once it did, it did properly get going, and I, I uh, was kind of swept up in the ride. Um, and there were a couple of like fairly scary jumps in there as well. There's mm-hmm. one where um, the uh, I can't remember what she's called, but the girl, his Finny's sister, is riding a bike in the rain. Um, and that one properly shit me. Yes, up. properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't seem like a cheap one either. Like it, it completely made sense to be there because I, I, I do with horror films sometimes do feel like they just put them in there for no reason, just to be like, ah, we can get a cheap scare out of you. But, um, but yeah. Um, then there's also another one, and I think this one's in the trailer, but um, wasn't necessarily a scare, but it was very creepy oh, yeah. with the with the um the one of the Go. boys. Uh, the ghosts oh. that was uh, kind of in the air a little bit, kind of just spinning like a, like a spinning top. It was yeah, very unnerving. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, overall, like I said, not the greatest horror film I've ever seen, but it definitely definitely holds up on the on its own for sure. Nice. Okay, and Charlotte, what are your thoughts on the Black Phone? Would you pick it up this... again, or would you hang up <laughs> abruptly? Well, that's the thing. As a millennial, I don't answer my phone, so that's. Uh... <laughs> Um, it's really weird this one. It's had really divisive reviews. I've seen or heard five star and two star and three star reviews. I think Ooh. I'm somewhere in between all of that. I really quite enjoyed it. I went in with zero expectations. It felt like I was in a self- safe pair of hands that these people really like horror films and these tropes. And it felt like a solid period horror. Um, I liked the music good music uh the cast were great as alex said like ethan hawke is really scary the the young boy lead i think this is his first film it's like his debut i think so, i found yeah. him really magnetic I, I was really desperate to help him and like alex said i was trying to work out all the ways you know he could escape and it did feel hopeless increasingly hopeless and you can't work out where it's going to go how is this situation going to be fixed you think you know and have a rough idea it's going to end a certain way but there's no assertion to how you're going to get to that destination. I was really compelled. I jumped a couple of times. I saved myself a couple of times because, you know, the music does that certain thing. You're like, right, I'll look away for a minute. Yep, that was a jump scare. Now I'll look and see what it was. Um, it has got a couple of loose threads and a couple of things that when you really think about it, you're like, mm, that maybe could have been explored better or handled better. But for the most part, it's quite an entertaining way to spend it's not quite an hour and a half, is it? It's a little bit longer. Hour 40? Hour 40, I think, yeah. Yeah, I quite liked it. Nice. Great. Well, I'm, as I say, I agree. <laughs> I'm with you guys. <laughs> uh, no, I enjoyed it a lot. I do think, I will say from the off that um, I, you know, it being based on a short story, I think it shows. I think yeah, there I is. Yeah, I, I think. So again, interesting that we spoke about Spiderhead last week, which was based on also based on a short story, um, and I felt like that didn't really know what to do with the concept beyond just kind of tell what happens at the beginning of that story and then just divert entirely to kind of give you know what it did. Anyway, we're not talking about Spiderhead again because God help me, I don't think I have it in there. Yeah. I think and no the... one else has spoken about that film for a week. So well, exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's it does just enough, I think, to justify the one hour forty. I would say maybe, you know, even then I would say get it down a teeny bit. Just a teeny bit. 
and it would be perfect. But I think it is a really well-crafted horror. I think it plays with some imagery, certainly in that the, the bit you mentioned, Alex, with that jump. Um, a lot of that felt steeped in um, the imagery and iconography from films and media that have uh, kind of, let's say, tangential relations to uh, the author's well, outside influence. Uh, name, well, let's say, let's just not be around the bush. Uh, his dad's work, let's just say. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I feel like, you know, there are some bits in there that's like, oh, that's a clever little nod. That's quite nice. Like you say, Ethan Hawke was great. I thought he was fantastic as the grabber. And I feel like there's so much going on in that performance that it's, well, it feels like multiple performances in one. I think that's great for what's such a, a lean film otherwise and for what uses him so sparingly like he turns up what 20 30 minutes into the film and then even then he's like maybe in it for 15 minutes total afterwards he is so good and so imposing um mason thames who plays finney is fantastic i think especially i'd want to say madeline mcgraw who plays finney's sister is just uh, so yeah gwen uh she is really really just talented and incredible and i think you know i think this is probably if not and if not the first but then a very early thing for her and yeah she's gonna go places she's gonna be a star um but i did like that it took its time to start off with and really bed in those characters and really get you to care i think that's something that joe hill's writing does so well is um it really makes you think and care and feel for the characters before they get into the horrible stuff. Um, I think it might have been him who said that horror is just, you know, it's it's a genre which is pure empathy. Like it, is a, it is a genre where you're watching people go through the worst experience they'll ever have, hopefully. And so you want to care about that. And I think that that is something that works here. I think Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, who co-wrote this, get that down well. But yeah, it's solid, and I think, yeah, job well done, all in all. Alright, so, those are our reviews, and, well, I wanted to leave us with a little bit of fun. So last week, Alex, we had a lot of fun with your uh, with your challenge, yes. your Rotten Tomatoes challenge, <clears throat> and so I took it on myself to, as we're at the midpoint of the year, to put a little, little, little quiz so, what I've got, guys, I've got six questions each for you. Okay. So, what it is, I have gone through Letterboxd, you know, Letterboxd, uh... and I have found from the bigger films of the first six months of the year, some of the more interesting reviews nice. posted nice, on, nice. on Letterboxd. <laughs> um, now, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to go to... I'm going to do one question each, and then one question each. You know, you then so Alex, you then Charlotte. Um, so you don't have to buzz or whatever. <laughs> you know, you can uh, yeah. do this. What I will say before we go in, one of you at least. So you will both have at least one Morbius one. <laughs> and oh, I'm okay. going to give you. I'm going to give you a Morbius card. Now, if you oh. use the Morbius card for the right review, you get three points. Oh. Okay. If you use the Morbius card on the wrong one, I will take away three points. So, drama, Mick. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, I'm going to do this in order of 
alphabetically. Why not? Let's do that. So on both fronts, it's you, Alex. Okay. Okay. So this review is is a four star review from Matt Lynch. He says this is the movie version of the men will literally X instead of going to therapy meme. What is that film? Oh. oh. Hmm. Now remember, any one of these could also be Morbius. <laughs> I was just gonna say, this could genuinely be Morbius. Um. Ooh. Okay. I may have to push you for an answer. Right. The Northman. You're saying the Northman. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's the wrong oh, answer. No! Okay. It was the Batman. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, so, it had Alex. to be one of the revenge ones, didn't it? <laughs> it was It was good, but it's not right. Okay. okay. So, Charlotte, to you now. So this is from Tyler, who gave this five stars. And their review is, In my defence, Your Honour, I was in goblin mode when everything went down. And that is from the point of view of a character who I will not name for spoiler reasons. What is that name? What is that film, Charlotte? In my defence, Your Honour, I was in goblin mode when everything went down. And that's five stars out of ten, right? That's that's the full five. That's, that's a full five. five star film. Goblin mode. Oh, it's gonna. This is annoying me. Pass. I'm gonna bug gonna pass. Game. Well, okay. Well, I can tell you. That one was the Northman. Goblin, though. Oh, man. So that was from the point of view of Amleth, the main character. Apparently. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, right, so, Alex, we go back to you. Alex, your review is three stars watched by Balin. They were like, what if we did Singing in the Rain but worse, less sexy, and more confusing? Again, this could this one of these could be Morbius. <laughs> Stop trying to lead me towards Morbius. <laughs> okay. And this is at the point where I forget every film that came out this year. I'm so struggling at this one. So... Wow. Okay, I thought these were going to be gimmies. Yeah. Hmm. Gonna make skin in the rain. Read it again one more time, and then of I'll course. Open, I'll... They were like, what if we did Singing in the Rain, but worse, less sexy, and more confusing? Oh, God. Oh, I've got a guess. Oh. <gasps> um. Uh, marry Me? I don't know. No, it's not Marry no, Me. It's can not. I guess? Can I guess? Charlotte, you won't get the point, but you can guess. Is it Downton Abbey? It is Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey, oh, a new era. Well, I haven't seen it! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Uh Charlotte, this is this is one for you. The number one hit film of 2003. This was a half star review by Diamond Emoji dot Lily dot Kiss Emoji. Alright, I'm gonna regret this. I'm playing my Morbius card. You're playing your Morbius card. Yeah. So you're playing your Morbius card on the number one hit film of 2003. You just scored yourself three points. Oh, I thought that, that yeah, that I yeah would have said that was Morbius too. 
No, it wasn't Morbius 2, it was Morbius 1. Morbius 1. <laughs> Morbius 2. Right, how many more rounds have we got of this? TBC. Okay, so... <laughs> so can I not win now? I feel like I can't get enough points to win. Or can I? I mean, you may still have a Morbius. You still have a Morbius to oh, play? I still have a Morbius, yeah. Okay. Okay, so... Um, we have... Okay, I'm going to say... So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So we've got four more questions each. So I promise okay. it'll be quick. Let's go. Okay. Okay, so... Speed round it a little bit. So, Alex, your one is, I think objectifying men is okay sometimes, heart emoji. This was watched by peace emoji. And it's five stars. Oh, that must be Top Gun Maverick. It must be Top Gun Maverick. You are right. It is Top Gun Maverick. Objectifying men is good sometimes. (laughs) Okay, Charlotte, this comes back to you. Another day. Another movie for the Mummy Issues Girls. That's by Neelam, who gives three and a half stars. Mummy Issues. Ah. I've got it, uh, I think. I'm going to embarrass myself, but I think I have. I think yeah. I might have. Oh, I'm going to go Tammy Faye. I can't remember any other film. You're going to go Tammy Faye? I'm sorry, it's not right. Alex, I can't give you the point, but do you want to guess? Was it Everything Everywhere All at Once? Oh, it wasn't, I'm afraid, oh, it was Turning Red. Turning Red! Well, no. there's been many Mummy Issue films this year, so it could have been any of them. There have. Okay, uh, right, so. Uh, Alex, this one's for you. This uh-huh. is a one-star, watched by Carsten. At one point, a kid in front of me got so bored, he started doing a headstand in his seat, which would normally be annoying, but in this case was the most entertaining part of the movie. I genuinely believe you might be baiting me out here. Okay. Um but do you know what? I'm going to I'm going to play my Morbius card. You're going to play your Morbius card. Oh, you hate to see it. You've just lost 3 points. Oh god. <laughs> that was Jurassic World Dominion. Oh. God <laughs> say. So Alex, you're a minus 2 <laughs> with everything to play for. I don't think there is at this point. Okay, right, Charlotte. Um, I'm going to give you this one. Uh, so this is three and a half stars, watched by Ben Sears. Could have used more hot dog fingers. Everything everywhere all at once. I'm no, sorry, Doctor you've Strange. gone for the wrong multiverse film. It was <laughs> Doctor Strange. Strange. Oh gosh, I see what you did. Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> You fell right oh, for his trap. So sorry, you played my trap card. Okay, Alex. Yeah. Straight people Twilight. Straight people Twilight. Oh God. Hmm. Oh yeah. I'm going to play my Morbius card again. Can I play another Morbius card? <laughs> you can't, but you can have a point because that was Morbius. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is this is why you got to be, you know, got to be careful. you got to be cool. you got to be tough. you got to be harder and so on, as Desiree once sang. Okay, we are into... Okay, so Charlotte, this is your penultimate question. I feel like at this point it's just basically just playing to see how much of a gap you can get. Um, so, <laughs> the 
The review is, and this is the full review, three and a half stars by Quantum of Phallus. The dog was wearing sunglasses. Sunglass emoji, thumbs up emoji. Oh, I'm going to fall for the trap again. Dog? Dog, it's not dog. No, it's Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I have seen that. There's a point where the dog wears sunglasses. Ah, now I know. Okay. All right, Alex, your final question and your opportunity to get back to a nice round gentleman zero. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. So this is four and a half stars. This is by Louis Oscar. Okay, maybe it is better than their turn down for what video? Dot, dot, dot. Oh... Chippendale Rescue Rangers. <laughs> it's not. Chippendale I know it wasn't. I know it wasn't. It's a good shout, though. So I feel like this does need some some context, but this was everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, okay. Oh, because they Daniels... used it videos before, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. God so... damn it! I should have known. Oh, gosh. Well, okay, Alex, on that one, you end on a... Minus one. Minus one. So, Charlotte, to get even more of a gap and humiliate Alex further. Two and a half stars watched by Sarah Dinosaur Emoji. Character. Looks like they would play devil's advocate in my lectures. Oh, there are so many. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, as in character. It's what he said. Character would. Yeah, so I've said character in place of the character's name. They've used the character's name in the review. And it's the main character. It's the titular role. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it's not the Batman. No. No, we've had the Batman. You can eliminate it down to uh, every Mm. film except for Morbius had one review each. And the film name is literally the character name. Or it's the main character. Yes, it's the main character, yeah. Isn't the titular role the name of the film? Okay, well, okay, it's not exactly the titular. It's, it's the... The, per- the character in person is the character whose name is in the title, but not necessarily their full name. I was just making, wasting time to have more thinking time. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. Okay, no problem at all. Well, I can tell you that it was light year. Buzz looks like you would play devil's advocate in my lectures, is the review. <laughs> Two and a half stars. Okay, well, on that one, absolutely no jeopardy towards the end there, but... <laughs> I did terribly. <laughs> Alex, it's just a case of, you know, knowing when to hold them and when to fold them when it comes to your Morbius cards. True. And so, Alex, you do end with minus one. Charlotte, you win this one with three points. Yay! Yay. There are no prizes, just... Yeah, well done for getting the Morbius one right. <laughs> Turns out Morbius was the key to all of this. Um, but yeah, there we go. That was my that was my quiz. I'll try and do something better. But... <laughs> no, I really enjoyed that, although I was <laughs> terrible at it. Hey, look, practice makes perfect, and I'm sure we'll have more fun and games down the line. But we really should wrap up, guys, because yeah. blimey, we are we we we're, we're knocking on a Baz Luhrmann epic here. We are knocking on the Baz Luhrmann epic. like a hypocrite. Yeah, do it. Sorry, guys. Elvis Presley. That's my impression of 
Colonel Tom Parker oh. in that film. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much for listening, guys. And thank you, Alex and Charlotte, for being here. And thank you for being a friend. Um, but no, um, we will be here again next week to talk about, well, Minions 2, The Rise of Gru. Hell getting into yeah. the second half of 2022 with a banger. Um, I can't wait. But, well, you're going to have to. But we'll also have the usual news and trailer talk. We might just even talk about Mad Max. Maybe. Maybe. If you're lucky. If you're good. As a treat. But we will say again, thank you to Alex and goodbye. Alex. Thank you and goodbye. And Charlotte. Stay sexy. Excellent. For a second there, I wonder if that was coming. But yes, I've been silent with luck. <laughs> Good lord. Um, but yes, thank you again for this week. Uh, again, check us out on Jumpcast underscore on Twitter. We post every day or try to with fun stuff. Um, but otherwise, you will know that this podcast and, well, the next podcast will be coming same time, same platforms next week. Bye for now. Bye.